Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Be sure to download our app and follow along with sermon notes. And now for our message. Well, good morning, Grace Church family. I don't know what it is about the maze and picnics at Grace Church, but we just can't seem to get everything together. Whether it was the weather last time in the fall or Susan and I being under the weather this time, we are not able to have what we had hoped would be our first family Sunday this year outside. So uh, at least not for this week. But I am so grateful that we have this technology and that we can get together uh, virtually and that we can still be in the Word together. We can still worship together. So grateful for our worship team being able to lead us this morning in the way that, that uh, you know, we did virtually. Just such a blessing to be able to continue to fellowship and to be together even when we can't physically be together. So I want to remind you that you can that you can give online uh, and through our website and that you can give on the app. So if you are this morning, since we're not together, the offering boxes aren't available um, for your giving. You can give in that way, and we already have prayed over that offering. So please feel free to access those opportunities if you want to. And then also um, your connection cards. There's a virtual or digital connection card on the app. So if you want to fill in the blanks this morning on the Grace Guide, you can do that through the app as well. It is so much fun and such a pleasure to talk about next generation ministry. That's where we've been over these last several weeks. And of course, Susan spoke last week out of the book of Daniel, which was so good. Um, and it has certainly ties to next generation discipleship. But I want to kind of get back to where I was leading us, um, specifically talking about next generation discipleship. It, it has got to be, and you've heard me say this, and I apologize if it feels redundant to you, but it has got to be our focus, our, our top focus to make disciples of children and youth. That's why we are stepping out in faith as a church in different areas in terms of our staffing, and even eventually we're going to be doing some things within the building, and you're going to hear more about that, but we are stepping out in faith because we are prioritizing the discipleship of the next generation. And this morning, it's a real simple message. I want to just give you one very practical item, concept, that will ensure great effectiveness in discipling the next generations. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a principle that is indispensable inside of healthy relationships. In other words, if we're going to have healthy relationships, this one quality must be present. Recently, I was thinking about the passage of Scripture that is, uh, that is the verse of Scripture that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's actually the first verse of chapter 11. Pa Paul is instructing the church at Corinth in, in the way that they do ministry, how they can be personally unselfish, not focused on their desires, not focused on what they want, but rather focused on, on impacting and influencing others. And he's, he's really unpacking that in chapter 10. And at the very end of chapter 10, the very beginning of chapter 11, Paul says very, uh, just very simple words, but they are profound. And, and inside of them is this principle that I'm talking about. He says this in verse 1 of chapter 11. He says, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. 
Paul says, you know, the, the way that we are trying to influence others, look, you guys can, you, you, you guys and gals in the church of Corinth, look at me and do it like I do it. Act like me. Imitate my behavior. I'm going to do it the right way so you can follow my example. Can you imagine saying something like that to somebody? I mean, almost about anything in our walks with God, to be able to say, you know, do it the way that I do it is a really gutsy statement. Can you imagine being so confident in your own example that you encourage others to model their relationships with Jesus after your own? It's pretty, pretty amazing stuff Paul says there. In truth, imitation happens constantly. Whether the invitation is given by someone like Paul or you or me or anyone else, we, we imitate other people. We admire people. We look up to people. We, we want to be like them. We, we look at teachers. We look at coaches. We look at, at bosses. We look at spiritual leaders. All of these people get imitated. And most of all, more than, more than in any other place, for most of us, we imitate our parents. Some of us don't like what that looks like. As Susan mentioned last week, you, you hear stuff coming out of your mouth and you think, oh my goodness, that's me. But the reality is that happens because we are imitative by nature and we imitate those that we look up to. We imitate authority figures in our lives, whether we like it or not. But here's the problem with imitation. What happens when our role models let us down? When they fail, when they make mistakes, when they fall into sin? What happens when they fail? What happens when we fail? As those who are uh, examples to others, as, as those who are looking to us, what happens when we, as the generation shapers, blow it? Invariably, we, who others are watching, will fail. I know that's earth-shattering, right? You didn't know that. <laughs> we know that we are going to fail. And we know that there's, are, there are others watching us who are imitating us. Then the next generation sees the, the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and the nieces and the nephews and the, the kids at church and the kids in the neighborhood and the kids in the community, the kids on the sports teams. They will notice. They will see us fail and our example will be, will be tainted. What are we supposed to do with that? How do, we, how do we minimize the damage that is done to those who imitate us? Well, let me say this to start with, to, to clarify. The worst thing that we can do is nothing. Nothing is the worst thing that we can do. Because if we don't do anything with our failure... If we don't do anything with the places that we've blown it, that we know others have seen, what we do inadvertently and, and, and unintentionally, we send a message that says this, don't admit when you fail. Don't admit when you struggle. Don't admit when you blow it. On your grace guides, fill this blank in. Parents who cannot admit failure, leaders who cannot admit failure. 
pastors, bosses, politicians who cannot admit failure damage everyone who looks up to them. So not saying anything is never an option. And and a, a parent or a leader who cannot take responsibility for their mistakes, for their sin, will cause their family, or if it's a leader, will cause the organization that they lead to be less healthy, will cause that family to be less healthy. Not owning your mistakes, not owning my mistakes, causes those that follow me and the organizations or the churches or the family, whatever it is, to become less healthy overall, period. So what... What is the solution to this tension we have in terms of people imitating us and us making mistakes? How can we encourage others to imitate us but not follow our failures? Isn't that the, that's the thing, right? We want them to follow the good things, listen to the good things, emulate the good things that happen in our lives, but not, but not do what we do when we're messing up. The answer is found in one simple word. And that word is humility. That word is humility. You know what? Even though we're not here, turn to the person next to you on the couch or in the car and say, the one word is humility. Yeah, you got it. Good job. When pastors or parents or bosses or role models of any kind, when they humble themselves, admitting their failures and seeking forgiveness of those that they lead, they effectively in large part, mitigate the impact of their sin on others. I'm going to say that to you again because it's absolutely revolutionary to relationships. When leaders, parents, role models of all kinds, when they humble themselves, when they say, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Very simple interaction there. I was wrong, will you please forgive me? To those that they are leading in particular, they effectively mitigate the impact of their sin on other people. What's more, they expand their influence over those that they lead and they increase their credibility in the eyes of those that they are leading. We might even call humility role model insurance. If you're going to be a role model, you're going to have people looking at you like they did it. Paul, imitate me as I follow, as I imitate Christ, as I follow Christ. If you're going to have people doing that, humility is the insurance that you will do a good job, that you will be effective on your grace guides, on the app. When we are humble and repentant with those that we lead, especially our own kids, especially our own grandkids, especially with our own, uh, those that we influence of the next generations. When we are humble and repentant, we ensure that we are worthy of imitation. Let that sink in. When we're humble and repentant, when, when our hearts are willing to own our mistakes and take responsibility for the places where we are weak, when we, when we are those people, we ensure that we are worthy of imitation. And we ensure that the good things, the godly things, the righteous things, the the things of, of, of strong character, the things of integrity are both seen and heard rather than obscured by hypocrisy. You see, when we don't admit when we're wrong, when we won't own our sin, 
That hypocrisy is so glaring that because our, our children, our grandchildren, those around us, they see our sin. It's not like we're hiding it for anyone, but when we don't admit that that sin exists, that hypocrisy overwhelms and it so colors the way that we're viewed. Yet when we're humble and repentant, when we're humble and repentant, the good things shine through. Our credibility increases. Our, 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 uh, um, our influence expands. The most powerful example that you can set another person is not doing everything right. It's handling your failure righteously. Let me say that to you again. The most powerful example you can set for others isn't just being right all the time, isn't doing everything right. It's rather handing your fa- handling your failure with righteousness, with humility. Ephesians 6.4 says these words, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Famous passage of Scripture. I read it a couple of weeks ago to you. Fathers, and, and the, the, the word for fathers, it is about dads, but it also could include the parental, fam, you know, the parental unit. Fathers and mothers, <clears throat> don't provoke your children. Provoking, just in case you don't know, is to, just, is to stir them up, to rouse them to wrath, to, to exasperate. pardon me, to exasperate them, to anger your kids. That's provoking. Do you know what one of the most provoking experiences, most exasperating experiences for a child? Having a parent too stubborn and too prideful to admit when they're wrong. That, friends, that is provoking. That is exasperating to a kid. On your grace guides, write this down. The irony of humility, this this characteristic we're talking about this morning, the irony of humility is this. When we admit our wrongs, we are always drawn closer to the ones that we influence. The irony of humility is this. When we admit our wrongs, we are drawn closer, not further away from the ones we seek to influence. Think about it this way for just a moment. If you're at work... And and your boss, your leader at work, admits that she is wrong. Generally speaking, for people of of good character, that boss is more admired, not less admired. At at church or in in a a community of faith, when when the spiritual leader is authentic, when the pastor is authentic and he owns a mistake, it deepens trust in that pastor. That man or that woman all of a sudden has a, has a greater degree of trustworthiness in the eyes of those that he or she is leading. At home, when a parent confesses failure, owns, takes responsibility for mistakes, the children are always drawn more close to that parent, not further away. Humility enables intimacy. This is so important for us to understand in all of our relationships, but especially as we're talking about influencing the future generations. Humility enables intimacy. This is exactly what happens with us and God. Our humility 
as expressed through our confession and repentance. When we say, when we, when we believe the gospel, that we are hopeless without God, that we are hopeless without the, the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. When we confess that to the Lord, we say, Lord, I have failed, I have sinned, I, I have messed up. I cannot save myself, I cannot forgive myself. Lord, would you please have mercy on me? I want to trust you, I want to follow you. When we are confessing and repenting, that action of humility draws us toward, not away from the Father. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and following says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. That happens over and over in our walks with God, but it specifically happens it specifically happens at salvation. When we humble ourselves, we are lifted up to a place of honor, a place of relationship, like it says. We, we are put on display, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Being unable, being unwilling to admit fault, even to your own children, is a form of pride that acts as a barrier, limiting influence in their lives. If we are unwilling and unable to, to be humble, if we are willing and unable to confess and to repent to our own children, we place a barrier that limits influence. It's backward, isn't it? We think it wouldn't work that way, that, that it is, that is the strong stance, it is the I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong stance, that, that would be the, the direction that would cause things to us to have more influence, but it's exactly opposite of that. What appears weak in the natural actually makes relationships stronger, and that relationship strength is leveraged to shape generational, the next generations in discipleship. A few weeks ago, <clears throat> Trent and I my youngest, uh, who's 20, Trent and I went to, to lunch, something that we don't do often enough because it was really fun. And I knew that I would be teaching on next generation stuff, and I knew that I wanted to talk, talk about discipleship. So I was just kind of uh, picking his brain, asking him questions. I, I, you know, I wanted to interview him about his experience at, at various churches where we've been and what children's ministry was like, what youth group was like, and things like that. And <clears throat> we also ended up talking about what it was like growing up as a younger child and teenager in the May home. It was a good conversation. Trent was honest, really honest. <laughs> he gave some good insights to me. And he let me know, and I, this didn't surprise me, but he let me know that growing up in our home was far from perfect. But he said something in the midst of that conversation that was really important. It's part of the reason I'm sharing this with you this morning. When we were talking about discipleship within the home, he specifically mentioned his mom and I asking for his forgiveness at different times for things that went on that we handled badly, we, we just didn't do a good job parenting, we didn't make good decisions, we were selfish or prideful or whatever, and we had to come back to him and make it right. He mentioned that. He, he didn't remember or didn't recall in the moment any of my amazing family devotions or the other you know, great spiritual things that I did as a dad. But he did remember the humility that we expressed at different times and how that drew us close together as parents and a child, as a family overall. I definitely have some regrets 
when it comes to parenting and pastoring. But one thing I have never regretted is choosing humility. I've not done it every time, but the times that I have chosen to walk in humility with those that I lead in a church and certainly with those that I led in my own household, I have never, ever regretted that. The times that I decided to own my failure and seek forgiveness were the best decisions I've made because I was drawn close to those that I was interacting with and my influence was increased in their lives. As, as we think about, as a church, as we think about discipling the next generation, this, this thing of humility is absolutely critical. We have to keep this in the forefront. But it's not just here with the kids. It's not just here with what we do as a body. It's also what happens in our lives, in the relationships within the home, in the relationships in the workplace. We need to for the sake of influencing others towards Jesus, we need to be a people who grab onto humility over and over and over again because it increases our credibility and it extends our influence. And so uh, before we pray, I just want you to think for a moment, you know, do you need to have a, a conversation with someone? Do you need to have a conversation with someone that's looking up to you, that's imitating you? Because we do that, we imitate others. Do you need to have a conversation with someone that you're imitating who's looking at you and you've not handled something well and you've not yet owned it? I'm telling you, there's a richness of relationship that awaits. There's a closeness and intimacy that awaits you. There's an, there's an expansion of influence and credibility that awaits you if you will go there. And it may be with your kids. I mean, they may be adult children. It may be with your with, you know, other extended family members. Maybe somebody here at Grace. It may be someone in the community. Someone that you work with. I don't know, but my goodness, can we, can we as a body just grab hold of this and let it shape our lives, let it influence our lives? Have that conversation, would you? Have that conversation. Have that. And before we pray, I've just been feeling like I, I want to make the invitation whenever we gather, even if it's virtually. If you've never trusted Christ, you've never extended faith to believe the gospel, that you are in a place, a hopeless spiritual state, that you cannot be reconciled to God, you cannot be in relationship with God without the covering work of Jesus, what he did on the cross and how he rose from the dead. If you've never trusted Christ, I, I just invite you right now in your heart, say, yes, Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I have, I have failed, that I cannot do right. I cannot be good enough to be um, in right standing with God the Father. I need you, Jesus, to cover me, to cleanse me, to forgive me of all of my sins, all my wrongdoing, all my failures, all my mistakes, the very things we're talking about. Cleanse me of all of that. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you have come to be the Savior of the world and my Lord personally. Jesus, you are Lord. If that's what's bubbling up in you, I encourage you to pray that this morning or whenever you watch this, this video, pray that prayer and let someone know. Please let us know. Use your grace guide, uh, the app, uh, send us an email, grab someone at church the next time we're together in person, whatever it is, but let us know. We want to stand with you and we want to help you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus. Who do we need to have conversations with? time for some hum humble conversation, for a little humility. And while not fun, it's oh so rich. 
Would you, would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we know what this is like. Those of us that are following you, we know what this is like because we humbled ourselves to come into relationship with you. We accepted you just as I was just describing. We went through that process somehow, some way, somewhere, and we were drawn to you because we confessed our wrong. Lord, would we be a people who that becomes the most natural and normative part of our lives, that we own our stuff. We grab hold of the things and the places where we are weak and where we are we are not in a good place with others and we allow the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that we might go to them, especially if it's our children, our grandchildren, nieces and nephews, kids, so that we set for them an example, an example worth following that we can say because of our willingness to embrace humility, follow me even as I follow Jesus. Lord, give us the courage. Holy Spirit, empower us to have conversations. May we do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to bless you before we conclude our time together. Two different blessings out of Isaiah 44 and Psalm 25, 13. Grace Church family, may God pour out his spirit on your children. May he pour out his blessing on their children after them. May they spring up like grass in a meadow, and may they grow like poplar trees near flowing streams. May God cause you to live in prosperity, and may your children inherit the promised land. Father, in the name of Jesus, may that be our heritage, that our children spring up like grass and inherit the promised land. We ask for your blessing, and we receive your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and God bless you, Grace Church family. So looking forward to being with you in person again. Until then, know that Susan and I love you. We're praying for you. The Grace Church staff and leaders are loving you and praying for you. And we are in this thing together. So grateful that we are able to journey uh, in this season as one body. Take good care. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this episode made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com.